Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to continue with uh, our discussion about, um, you know, our, our, our mental health, our emotional health. And uh, I want to talk to you today about a mindset upon God. A mindset upon God is a, is a healthy mind. As my mind aligns with God's mind, my mind has what God's mind has. So I have the, the joy of the Lord. I have the peace of God. I have the, the patience of Job, you know. I, I have what God has. And so this is, how I, this is how I can stay healthy in my mind and in my emotions. But for us to understand how we really are, our, our true nature, what makes us tick, we have to understand that our true nature really is two natures. We have a nature that is, that is designed by God, our creator, to reflect him. But then we have another nature that is inherited from Adam, and it's a sinful nature, and it has a propensity or, or almost, almost covered with a little bit of a plague uh, of, of sin. And so and that is always with us. So that there's these two natures. In one instance, we're made by God in his image and in his likeness. So we align with God. We have the joy of the Lord. We have, we have God's spirit on us so that we bring glory to the Lord. We bring glory to the Lord. You were designed by God to bring glory to the Lord. But there's this other half as well. And so if I read in the, in the book of Romans by Paul the Apostle, writes this to the church of Rome, says this in verse 22, chapter 7, For in my inner being I delight in God's law. I do have an inner being that delights in God's law. See, I'm not against God's law. It's so hard. No, I delight in it. I delight in it. But, everybody say, this is a big but. <laughs> I see another. See, there you go. That's the sinful nature right there. That's what I'm trying to say to you. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. There's another half of me where it separates me from God. It pushes away. It's a prideful nature, a selfish nature, a nature that, that is, is open to lust. It's open to greed. It's open to anger. In fact, it, it, it's like a plague that just tries to continually get on us. And so, but I understand that I am designed by God, and so I have this nature in me, but I have another nature. It's there too, and it's always kind of playing in the background. It's kind of, it's kind of um, well, your, your mind begins to realize Sometimes I'm thinking this way, and sometimes I'm thinking that way. But it's always kind of in the background. It's not until we come to Christ that he begins to show us this is why. We learn about Adam. We learn about the fact that there was, it's funny, there were two trees in the middle of the garden, the Bible says. And the Lord says, you can eat of any tree in the entire garden of Eden, any tree. And the Bible says that the trees were filled with fruit, beautiful to see, beautiful to eat. I mean, just precious. And all of the animals can eat of the fruit as well. All of every green plant, it's awesome. I mean, you talk about the Garden of Eden. But in the middle of the garden, we're two trees. The tree of life, you can eat of that, which would be awesome. I'd love to have, be able to eat of every tree in the garden and the tree of life. But the Lord says, but the knowledge of a good and evil tree, it's the tree of rebellion. Don't eat of that. Of every tree you can eat and the tree of life, and yet what do we do? What does Eve do? What does Adam do? We eat from that, from that tree. That nature now is on us. There's a propensity to, to still go back that independent way, that rebellious way. God says this, but I'm saying that. This is the origin of that sin. You know, 
I was thinking about this this week, you know, talking about, you know, you, you don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. You know, they, they, they can pick that up on their own. Isn't that true? Of course, you probably demonstrate it a little bit here and there. But I was thinking about this illustration this week. Let's say you really love mixed nuts. You know, you get them for Christmas and so forth, and you, you love, you know, how, how many planters mixed nuts. And uh, not that I know this person, but I'm just thinking out loud. You get these planters mixed nuts, and you begin to, because you love, you love nuts, you begin to separate the ones that you really love, which are the cashews and the macadamia nuts, and you, you, know, you have that empty can that's sitting there. You begin to put your cashews and your macadamia nuts in that other can. You leave the boring ones, you know, the pecans and the peanuts and so forth, and you take out just the ones you really love. And after about 45 minutes of hard work of really fishing through this can, you, you, you've got a good little chunk of just uh, uh, pistachios and macadamia nuts. And, and you love, am I saying the right word? Cashews. Nobody, I mean, pistachio nuts are in there with the peanuts. So here you have your, your, your little stash that you love and, 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 and so forth, and then the other staff are boring. You, you maybe get to them, but not now. I got my other And somebody walks in, and an acquaintance, you know, not your best friend, but an acquaintance walks in, and they're talking to you, and they're chatting with you and so forth. And then they say, hey, do you mind if I have some nuts? And you say this, go right ahead. Have as many as you want. You did say the right thing, don't you? But which can do you push forward? See? See what I'm saying? That's the sinful nature right there. And those of you guys that said, I would have pushed the cashews and the... Why do you lie? Why do you lie? See, I, I, I'm telling you, it's so funny that, that God will show you down to the littlest last bit of who it is you are. Sometimes you know what the right thing is to do, but you sometimes just can't pull it off. I wear 45 minutes to get just the nuts I like to get. You might not even like cashews. There's a lot of people that don't, you know. That's why they cost so much, you know. It's just for us that, come on. No, there's another nature. I want to outline this message in six succinct uh, statements. Number one, sin is very harmful to our minds, our bodies, and our families, whether you believe it or not. See, God will show us about sin, and God teaches us. It's so funny. People don't like to talk about sin, but it's from one end of the Bible to the other. God talks about his love. He talks about his deliverance. He talks about all this stuff, but he does talk about sin, and he does talk about the devastating effects of it, and let me tell you, it's very harmful to your body, to your mind, to your family, whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. God says, here's why this is a devastating thing. Here's why the wages of sin is death. Number two, as Christians, we do struggle against sin, and we're supposed to. A lot of times there's this, there's this new thinking of, hey, I sin, and you know what? Hey, it's just me. No, no. Struggle against it like it tells us to in the Bible. You, you, you can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. No, no, struggle. You do have a fight. You fight against it. Can I hear an amen? amen. We're supposed to fight. There is a fight. It doesn't mean that you win every single battle. You're with the Lord. Though a righteous man falls seven times, God's there to pick him back up again and say, I'm with you. Continue to fight on. Sin will no longer have dominion over you, Paul says. And then number three, grace gives us the power to overcome a sinful life. I thank God for his grace because his grace comes and puts on me this unmerited favor. And if I was to talk about the theology of grace, 
it's when Jesus comes and lives the sinless life, which we could not. Lives the sinless life, dies with our sin on him. When he raises from the dead, he puts on us his righteousness. That is grace. It's unmerited righteousness that comes on us. We did not deserve it. Christ puts it on us. But when he puts it on us, he also puts on us the grace to overcome. He also puts on us the Holy Spirit of power and healing. Come on, and and conviction and discernment. God gives us more in the grace of God, not to just forgive us, but to help us overcome the things that are so against us. And number four, sin is what God says sin is. Not you, not me, not Hollywood. Sin is what God says sin is. You might not be a rocket scientist, but that's okay, God is. He knows all about what's bad for you, and he he calls it out, and I'm gonna get to this. But then, finally, uh, number five, God is not against you, sin is. See, God's not against your freedom. Sin is against your freedom. God is not against your individuality. Sin is against your individuality. God is not against your sense of adventure. He put it in you. God put it in you. Sin is against your, your, your desire to have adventure. Sin is there to, to bring bondage to you. It holds the, the carrot out there, but then it traps you in it. Let me tell you, sin is against your freedom, against your creativity, against who you really are on the inside. God is not against that. Sin is. Can you say amen? And then finally, you were not designed for sin. You were designed for worship. You were designed to bring glory to the Lord. You weren't designed for sin. That's why you're so bad at it. You weren't designed for sin. That's why your mind can't handle it. You were not designed for sin. That's why you have breakdowns, and that's why you have fissures and cracks and and, and, and hemorrhages and, and things, because you were not designed for this thing. You were designed for worship. That's why I need to go to the Lord and say, God, I was not designed for this pain. I wasn't designed for this aggravation, for this irritation. I was not designed for this, this corruption. I was designed to worship you and to be set free. Can you say amen? See, some people think they're good at sin. Yeah, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. Well, I, if you're so good at it, how come your life is broken? Your jobs are broken. Your family's broken. Your bones are broken. Everything's broken, and, and you think you're good at it. I got thrown out on my butt the other night. I was sinning, you know, and I got thrown. Yeah, th- this is what you think you're good at? Let me tell you something. We're not designed for sin. We're designed for the Lord. Can you say amen? And sin is constantly crawling on us like ants. And until we meet the Lord, we don't even really realize just how much damage this stuff is causing us. And, and, and it crawls on us and it gets over us. Before you know it, you're an anthill. You're a walking anthill because you never deal with the stuff. You can make excuses for it, but you know, when you come to the Lord, God shows you this stuff should not be plaguing you this way. See, because it starts small. Sin always starts small. It always starts in this little package that kind of looks harmless. Or even inviting. You know, Eve said to the Lord, the fruit looked good to me. It looked good to eat. Yeah, it starts out in seed form, but it's going somewhere. I want you to know something. Sin is going somewhere. It starts out small, but it wants to bring you into bondage. It starts out small, but it wants to destroy you. And can I go one step further and tell you this? Listen, listen. Sin ultimately wants to mock you. Make a mockery of who it is you're supposed to be. In the image of God, let me just show you what the image I have of you. And it mocks you. This is, this is how perverted, this is how twisted, this is how corrupt, this is how terrible, this is, this is how, this is what a mockery I can make 
of the beautiful design that God had in mind. Sin not only wants to destroy your life, it wants to make a mockery of it, but that eventually it wants to steal your heritage. It wants to take away your heritage. It wants to take away the family tree that God has set for you like he did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's sons. There is a, there is a heritage that God delights in from you. The devil is against your heritage. He's against your kids, and he's against your grandchildren. He, he's against any family tree that you would have. He's trying to break that up, to destroy it, to mock it, but ultimately to scatter your inheritance so that you don't have it. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, God hates divorce because he wanted, uh, he wanted a, uh, a next generation of godly followers. God wanted the, the offspring, a holy offspring. God hates divorce because he's, he's looking for your kids and he's looking for your grandkids, grandchildren. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my grandchildren. When I read that passage, I think about my own grandchildren. There could not be any greater delight. Now, I know that grandparents aggravate everybody when they talk about their grandkids all the time and so forth, but I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I make no apologies. They're the most beautiful people that you could ever, ever have in the world. I can see where God is so into your heritage. He's so into your grandchildren. God is so into the next generation of holy little ones that are coming along. He, he loves it. He loves it. But Satan hates it. Let me tell you something. Sin can start small, but it's aiming for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It's, it's aiming for your family tree. It does not want to see you be fruitful and multiply. It wants to see you die in corruption and mockery. Am I being too real for you today? Let me just back up. Let's talk about the football. Can you say amen? I walk around my living room, and I'm looking for the clicker or something. I look under the couch, and there's a little tiny slipper under there. And when I see it, my heart leaps. And I start saying, whose is this slipper? You know, Judah. I feel like calling him up on the phone. I told him the other day, he's only four. I told him the other day, get a phone. <laughs> how long are you going to not have a phone? Like, how do we... I got to keep sending videos to his mom. Please send this, please show this to Judah. But there's two parts of sin. The bad part is how much destruction it causes. Can I tell you something? Just as a side note, we don't know it. We do not realize just how destructive sin is. The devil doesn't want you to talk about it. He doesn't want you to think about it because it's a deceptive blindness. He wants you to just carry on in this, in this, in this low-level destruction never seeing that this thing is headed somewhere. The bad part of sin is that it is so destructive. But the good part of sin is that it is so destructive, it actually pushes you to want deliverance. Sin becomes a, a, a squeezing vice to the point where you can't take it anymore. My mind was not made for this. And we begin to cry out, God, there has to be more than this. There has to be more than this. And the Holy Spirit will respond. He actually put that, that desire in you to cry out, cry out, reconnect with the creator. You're under such bondage. You're under such crush. You're under such carnage. You, 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 you're, you're under such depression or, or, or lack of fulfillment, lack of fruitfulness, lack of happiness. Isn't it to the point now where you just need to say, God, I was not made for this. Where are you, Lord? If you're real, come and deliver me. We have a heart that cries out for deliverance. The good part of sin is it can bring you 
So much pressure, so much pain that it pushes you to the Savior. It pushes you to the Savior. We're pre-programmed to reach out to the Lord like that. Listen, you're not pre-programmed to just put up with it and put up with it and put up with it. But can I tell you something? Sometimes people will say, I choose to be blind. I choose to be blind. I choose to reject. I choose to rebel. I know I'm under pain. I know I have no fulfillment. I know I'm angry. I know I, 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 I feel empty inside. But you know what? I will never go that other way. And what I do is, is I'm not only in blindness, but I invite more blindness on me. The Bible says it, that God will finally give them over to a depraved mind. What it's really saying is sin will finally have its way. The full fruit of this stupor, stupor, to the point where you're not thinking logically, you don't have any natural affections, you don't have any natural uh, logical thoughts, you're in a stupor. You're calling evil good and good evil because you are in a stupor. You're so blind, under a spirit of blindness. Can I tell you, it's one thing to have the ants crawl on you, but it's another thing to have a whole pile of ants infest you to, to, the, to the point where you, you look like that. You look like a spirit of greed. You look like a spirit of lust. You know, I was thinking about uh, Harvey Weinstein. I, I think a child might be able to say, now that, that, there's something not right there with that guy. There, there is a spirit there that is actually manifesting from the inside out. I don't, I don't judge him. I pray for him. But I will tell you this. You do see spirits. They do manifest. They do end up being on. And, and when you say, I don't care, I, I don't care, I will go for this perversion, even though everything in me is telling me it's not right, I will continue that way, and I will feed this beast until I end up looking like it. Corruption, perversion, and these things. You know, and I know that that's not... I pray, your case, I pray that Christ sets you free and opens our eyes so that we can see now. I see now that these aren't just ants. This is something that's trying to gain a foothold in my life. Where God gives you the Holy Spirit to have discernment and say, this thing is going somewhere and I know it's not good. You have the check of the Holy Spirit. You have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He will open your eyes to the thing and say, this is not good, you know it, and you are either going to willfully, you know, this is why we talk about willful sin, you're going to willfully reject the way of the Lord and say, I'm going to go this way now. And we start to justify, but, 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 but doesn't God want me to be happy? I can't be happy in this marriage. I, I, I think I'd be happy with my secretary. And we begin to justify Really, even the pastor said we should be happy. But in reality, the Holy Spirit's saying, wait a second. You're about to destroy your family, your mind, your body, and your heritage. And you're about to be made a mockery. And you're about to give up your family tree. And, I, and I've said this before, but what happens is, after two years with that secretary, she takes off the mask and says, guess what? I'm worse than the other one. And that's when the devil says, gotcha. That's <laughs> what I do. Make a fool. 
you started to think with wrong part of your body, and now, as the Holy Spirit did give you discernment, and you chose to shut down the voice of God, and now look, and now look. I've said this before. It, it starts with that little thought of a kiss, but it's not going to end there. It's not going to end there. It's going to end with you losing your grandchildren and losing your children and losing your job and losing your house and losing your business and losing your fortune and losing your stability and maybe losing your mind. Quiet in here. I like this. A quiet church is a convicted church. No, I, 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 I know we're getting it. I know we're getting it. I can tell. Listen, I got a phone call years ago, and this person said, Pastor, where are you? Where you been? I've been trying to call you for like three hours. I said, okay, you're talking to me. What's up? Well, you know, I, I fell into this relationship with this other woman and, and, and you know I'm in this adulterous thing and it's all blown up in my face and blah blah blah, blah and so forth and so on and I'm losing my mind I said okay that's sounds like that's how it goes that, 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 you know you're, you're, you're laying out the, the blueprint here but when we track it back it started with a kiss can I tell you something it never ends with the kiss. Don't be deceived into thinking the devil actually will give you this little kiss. He knows what's wrapped up in this little kiss is a complete and total mockery of who it is you are. And the pastor can't get you out of that. All a pastor can come and do is with a snow shovel, scoop up the blood and guts at the, at the bottom of the cliff and say, well, that was too bad. You drove the entire bus off the cliff thinking this kiss was going to lead to something good. Same thing for women. The same thing for women. We don't realize sin is trying to go somewhere. It's trying to go somewhere. You know, a woman comes up to me and she says, Pastor, can I ask you a question? <laughs> oh, you know this woman. <laughs> no, it's not who you're thinking. <laughs> you're safe. Can I ask you a question? If my husband comes home and has one glass of wine at night after work, after a hard day, after he's worked hard all day, worked hard, 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 I said, what husband is this? Hard, hard, hard all day? Is it, is it wrong that he has one glass of wine? And I say, you know what? Can I answer that for you in 18 months? Let me just answer that for you in 18 months. I don't really have the answer for now. I'll just answer you in 18 months. But 18 months from now, she's saying, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Do you know of any good Christian 12-step programs? I said, wait, I want to answer your other question. You came to me with 18 months ago. C can I tell you something? We try to figure out how close to the line can we go. How close can we go? Can I walk this line to me, is this worship? Is this worship? Is this powerful? Is this, you know, flaunting your life 
in the face of the devil. You know, God sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Or is this walking the line and saying, what if I have one glass of wine at night? You know what? It's rare. That's all I'll say. It's very rare because it usually leads to something else. And then it usually leads to something else. You know, and this thing cycles itself through the church every 50 years. First comes the whole legalistic think about what can you drink and what can you not drink. And then once we figure out it's actually okay to drink, you know, as long as you don't, you know, don't go too far. And the next thing you know, we're dealing with all this uh, tremendous amount of immorality that's in the church because guess what? They did drink too much and they went and kissed the wrong person. She was drinking too much. And we lose our families. And can I tell you something? If I'm out to eat, I could have a beer, but I know so many families that have been destroyed through alcohol. I say, I'll have a water, or I'll have a Sprite, or I'll have something else, because there, there's, there's, a little bit of a, there's a little bit of an attitude that I have against this stuff that comes in as a seed and steals families out of the church and out of the kingdom of God and the grandchildren and all that. I have a little bit of a problem with this, but if you want to do that, You know, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you. I'm just saying that I'm a pastor. I've seen too much destruction to just be fine with everything. Can I hear you guys say amen? Amen. And, and, And I'll tell you something else, too, is that it doesn't end with a kiss. It doesn't end with one thing. It's always this seed that's wrapped up in something deceptive that actually has a whole tree of something else you never bargained for in the middle of it. And can I tell you something? You can fight against this stuff. You can struggle against it. You can resist it. You can stand up against it. God's promise is in the word is that you can stand up against this stuff. That's his promise. I don't have to go down the same road. And I don't have to load myself up with a bunch of justification and a bunch of excuses and a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, everybody's legalistic and I'm, I'm the only one who's free. And I can be free. I can be me. Talk to me in 18 months. Amen. But you know what happens is, I, I, I feel like I can't trust my eyes. I know it looks good in the package. I just can't trust my eyes. See? I can't trust my eyes. Yeah, I, I have to ask myself, where's my sadness coming from? Where's my loneliness? Where's the fear? Where's the anxiety? Where are the panic attacks? Where, where's the loneliness? Where's the darkness? Where's it coming from? I I don't know everything that there is to know, but I do know God has more for me than this. Can you say amen? Amen. Where's the anger coming from? Because I believe that happiness, God gives you as a barometer to your soul. Peace. You know, the Bible says we're filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Peace, love, joy. Not anger, not bitterness, not envy. And when I start to lose my peace, it's a barometer to the soul. God, what's happening? Because God says, I'm going to give you these different barometers for you to be able to be curious enough to say, Lord, I'm here for some help. I'm here for some help. I don't know why I'm not happy. I'm here for some help. And because all of a sudden, you know, in the Bible, it tells us that David, Israel was in a famine for three years. And David went to the Lord and said, God, you know what? We were in this famine for three years. I'm finally coming to you. 
to ask you why. And God said, it's because you betrayed this covenant that you have with these other people. And he, he brings David back in time. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we will suffer with a famine for three years before we actually go to the Lord. God, I've been suffering for, with sleeplessness or with depression or, or I've been suffering with, with these suicidal thoughts for three years. God, I need to ask you, Lord, where is this coming from? Because the Lord will dig deep down where a psychiatrist maybe could never touch and he will touch the thing down deep inside you and say, this needs healing. This needs to be dealt with. And thank God, Jesus is the great physician that can reach down deeper than anybody else and touch and heal where no one else could. It says this in uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, Paul the apostle, he writes to us about the reign of sin. In other words, like sin is an unruly king and he reigns in people who are unaware. But, but Paul the apostle says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. And Paul is the perfect person to talk about this because he was a Pharisee, but he understood grace. And he's saying, listen, the law can never save you. Only Jesus can do that. But sin should not have its way with you like an unruly king that would just tell you, now you're going to do this. Now you're dominated by that. No, you must go on that pornographic site. No, you must keep going on that site. No, you must keep going on that site. Guess what? The Bible says, no, no, sin does not have dominion over me, and I can be set free from it. God will set you free from this stuff. You just got you just gotta deal with the lie. When the devil comes and tells you you are hopelessly dominated by sin, you need to tell him, wait a second, I, I think I could be dominated by Jesus, not by sin, but I, I need to make a choice here. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I'm not saying you never fall, you never stumble. I'm not saying you don't make mistakes, and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit is there to pick you up again, but when you willfully say, this is just me, you give up the grace that has been given to you by Christ to overcome this junk. And so it says this in Romans the 8th chapter, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. And I don't have, to, I don't have time to break down all these words, but these words are the, these innate lusts that we have deep down inside us, but we can set our minds on them. But he goes on and he says, but those making a distinction that there are others who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I set my mind on what God desires. Lord, help me, God, to set my mind on a higher plane, not on my urges and my lunges and my impure thoughts, God. I want to set my mind on you. Not that you're perfect, but you know where you want to set your mind in verse 6, the mind of the sinful man is death. And, you know, we could break this word down. It's, it's, it's toxic. It's poisonous. You can see it coming. You can feel it creeping into your bones. It's pictured in the Scriptures as leprosy. Mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Barometer of the soul. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It has its own way of thinking, and I think the whole Bible and all that stuff is all ancient scriptures and all ancient stuff, and, I, and I, it's hostile to God. I'm hostile to this thing. Oh, who, who are you to tell me what I can and cannot do? Hostile. Hostile. 
But in verse 8, those controlled by the spirit, uh, the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature. You're not dominated by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. We do have a duty. We are ruled, hopefully, but not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, if by the power of the Spirit you put to death, if by the conviction of the Spirit, if by the the discernment of the Spirit, if by the, the, the grace of the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but I pray this verse here, God, deliver us from evil. If by the power of the Spirit I put to death the misdeeds of the body, I don't have to be dominated by it. I don't have to be taken control by it. But I also don't have to understand every single thing about sin. See, I don't have to be the rocket scientist here. God is. You know, if if your mother and your father say, listen, do not cross the road unless you look both ways. You can say, you know what? You know, why why are you coming against my freedom? You know? Now I got to look both ways. Huh? You think I can't see the road? You think I don't know about asphalt? You think I don't know about the road? You think I don't know how to walk? But you know what? Maybe your mother and father are seeing something that you can't see. Maybe they're thinking about something you're not thinking about. See, we, we, we tend to think we know so much about this stuff. But you see, what God is trying to teach us in the, in the whole obedience thing is to have faith that God knows what he's talking about as your creator. In fact, as the creator of everything, as the creator of the entire universe, God knows what sin is. He knows what destructive is. And he is saying, this is it. Now, can I tell you something, church? Sometimes we don't necessarily get all of our input from the Bible. Sometimes we listen to what's coming through the phone. You know, what's the media saying? What's Hollywood saying? What is Hollywood saying? What are all the glitzy people saying? What are all the beautiful people saying? What are the movies saying? What's new? What's coming down the pike? You know, I mean, the pastor's saying, you know, now the pastor's saying I can't even look at wine, you know. <laughs> but what, is, what does my phone say? What does my phone say? My phone says it's okay. It's okay if I live together with someone. I don't have to get married. I'll live together with somebody for years and years and years. But, 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 but why? Because God says, no, no, it's, 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 it's better that the two of you marry and become one flesh. See, what does God say? I need to make a choice. I'm either going to say I'm going to go with culture because, you know, culture has a great track record. You can just see how blessed everyone is in culture. I got to go with this. I got to go with Hollywood because, after all, when they're talking about marriage, they know. Been married ten times. Been in divorce court nine times, you know. This guy knows. Believe me, he's been married nine other times. He knows all about marriage. You want to know why you live with somebody? Because you got to try on the shoes before you buy them, you know. But in fact, there are always reasons why people live together, and none of them are because I really felt God said, you need to go against what I said originally in my word. Church. God knows. See, God knows. Hollywood does not know. So I don't have to, I don't have to figure everything out. All I have to do is trust God. Lord, I don't really understand this whole thing. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. But the more I open my heart up to the things of God, the more the Holy Spirit can show me deep things, uh, inner things. 
I remember one time my grandmother said, the Holy Spirit convicted me that I need to call this, this woman and apologize to her because I spoke to so-and-so about her behind her back. I need to call her. And I'm thinking, Graham, don't call her. She's an idiot. Everybody speaks behind her back. I couldn't believe how soft her heart was to the Holy Spirit, that what she needed to do. And yet, some of us just think, hey, listen, I'll decide what sin is based on the, the current society and, 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 and where everybody's going here, as opposed to getting more and more in tune with what the Holy Spirit would tell me, this is not for you, son. This is not for you. Can you say amen? amen. I want to read one more verse, and then we're going to close. It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers... If you want to keep your mind in alignment with God, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, Paul is saying or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, I want my mind to be filled with peace. I want my heart to be happy. I want to live a fulfilled life. I, I, I can't listen to what everything Hollywood is saying. I can't trust Hollywood. I can't trust society today. I need to hear from you, Lord. For me and for my house and for my family and for my heritage, Lord, I need to trust you. I need to obey and trust you. And I pray, God, that my mind is aligned with your mind. I pray you're happy. I pray you're fulfilled. I pray you are, are having an adventure of your life. I pray that you're working for the Lord. I mean, it's not always easy, but I pray you, you have a heritage to come, a family tree that loves the Lord and serves him. Church, let me tell you something. You're not here for a six-month stint. I remember I used to go to church. You're not here for six months. You're not here for a year and a half. You're not here to flame out when, when things get a little bit. I pray that you get deeper and deeper into the things of God. I pray that you have happiness. I pray that you have adventure. I pray that your children's children carry on the work of the Lord. I pray that you are a servant of God and he is, his, his favor is on your life. I believe more for you. I believe more for you and I believe more for this church. I pray that we have a spirit of healing that's here. I pray that we have a spirit of deliverance that's here. Even today, maybe I spoke prophetically. There's someone here that's getting ready to do the wrong move make the wrong choice, go the wrong direction. But through the Holy Spirit today, he's speaking to you saying, stop. Rescue yourself. Rescue your family. Come on. Do the right thing. Maybe he's speaking to some of these guys and saying, look, you know you need to ask her to marry you. You know it's the right thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't be constantly thinking about all the wrong things. Fix your heart on me and trust me. Trust me with your life. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.